Shalom, Mishpocha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Jackie Duval. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Max Davis. Max is a best-selling author and journalist and holds degrees in journalism and biblical studies and has written over 30 books. Welcome, Max. Hey, um, Jackie, I'm glad to be here. Oh, we're glad to have you here. Yeah, it's an honor to have you, too. So, um, Max, tell me a little bit about your background of journalism and what led you to become a journalist. This is really a cool story. So you got to go back to 1978, and I was kind of, you know, I was the high school jock, homecoming course, the whole thing. I never read a book, really, you know, just focused on football and sports and things like that. And going into my senior year, I got radically saved. And it was just amazing. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit about three months later. I was driving down the highway, and I heard an audible voice. Now, when I say audible voice, I heard it. <laughs> it, it might have been in my spirit, but it was loud, and I heard it just as if somebody spoke it. It says, you're going to write books, and they're going to go all over the world. And what you have to understand is I, I knew absolutely nothing about writing books or anything. <laughs> I didn't know how you made a living at it or anything. But God spoke to me, and it was crazy because I knew it was God. I knew it was God's voice, and I knew that was the calling he had for my life. Well, I had gotten a scholarship to play football at Ole Miss, and I wanted to go to Bible college, but my dad said, you know what? You got this scholarship. Why don't you just play football and in four years, if you want to go to Bible college, I'll help you. Well, I thought that was pretty good. So I figured, well, if God called me to be a writer, I'll major in journalism. My, my major up to that point had been physical ed, something like that. And I changed it to journalism. Well, what I didn't know, realize was that was the foundation. That journalism would become the foundation of my ministry and, and my calling. And I was a real skeptic, even though I was a believer, I was a skeptic. But journalism has actually increased my faith over the years because I've been able to study the facts of situations, and it has, it has increased my faith. And I've interviewed people all over the world that have, have had documented miracles. And so that, that's how I got into journalism. And I had a book called The Insanity of Unbelief, A Journalist's Journey from Belief to Skepticism to Deep Faith. That book actually hit number one. And so that, that's kind of the story of how I got into journalism. Well, that's, that's awesome. And one of your many books that you have written is called Jesus, Josiah, and Me. And uh, the Josiah in this book is um, Josiah Colon. We've had his mom on the show before. Josiah is a nonverbal autistic child who has gotten many powerful words from Jesus, and he writes them down on a tablet or iPad kind of thing. And he started to get words for you several years ago. 
and he didn't know anything about you. He didn't even know you. So, Max, take us back to that time when that first started happening and um, tell us when it started, how it started, and uh, some of the first words he gave you. Well, thank you. I, I tell, this is one of the most amazing, incredible stories that you will ever read, that people will ever read. In fact, I tell people, if they, ever, if they want to read one book of mine, read this one, because it absolutely proves that God is real, He's alive, and He sees us. And I tell atheists, at the end of this story, you have to either believe God is real or that I'm a liar, but I'm not a liar, because yeah. we have the facts, and they're journalistically you know, chronicled. So, but it's just an amazing story because Josiah was a nine and a half year old autistic boy, nonverbal, in Minnesota. And he types into an iPad with one finger, and he'll be just typing something to his mom, like, hey, I want to go to the mall or something. And then the Holy Spirit start downloading to him prophetic messages. And he had over 20 pages of prophetic messages to me in Louisiana. <laughs> And he's in Minnesota. So he never even met me. And the words are so specific that, like, they're things that nobody knew except my wife and a couple of people. But anyway, the way it started was I was reading another book about a miracle called um, Rush of Heaven, where Cheryl Ricker from Minnesota was the co-author on it. And I had read that story. And I was just so impressed with it that one day I called her on the phone in the morning. It was like 10 o'clock in the morning. And I said, you know, I'm Max Davis. I'm an author. I just want to let you know I read your book, and it it really ministered to me, and I wanted to encourage you in that. And so we we just talked about agents and the writing business and things like that. Well, in the process of our conversation, Cheryl said, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book for a mother of an autistic son, uh, Tani Cullen and Josiah Cullen. And that book was Josiah's Fire, by the way. And I said, wow, that's neat. And she told me about it. But that was it. Nothing else was said. She didn't ask me for anything. Well, at about 11 o'clock, after our phone call, Cheryl called Tani to tell her about my our conversation that we had. Well, at this time, Josiah was at his school, his autistic school. <laughs> so he he was not aware of my conversation with Cheryl. And at 3 o'clock, when he comes home, he just independently, without talking to Tony, starts typing a message. And as he's typing the message, Tony realizes he's alluding to a person. So Tani says, does this have anything to do with Max? (laughs) Because she had talked about me, you know, at 11 o'clock. And Josiah says, yes, it's a lot to do with Max. He's not only a major novel writer, Mm. but, you know, da-da-da-da. Well, from the get-go, Josiah knew that I was a writer which I could have been anybody. I could have been a a football coach or a teacher. And you know, I was a novel writer. Well, at that time, I was on a major deadline finishing a major novel. And we had just had a novel 
published that was all over the United States and in caps in every store. So my last two books had been novels, even though major novels, even though I, I typically write nonfiction. So Tani called Cheryl and told her and got my email. She didn't go to my website. She didn't see anything. She was very nervous, but she did send me the message, and, and that's how it all began. And from that point on, from 2015 to 2018, I got over 20 pages from Josiah, sovereign, sovereign messages. He would just type me a message and um, just with things that you nobody could ever know. So anyway, I'm, I'm wow. maybe getting ahead of you a little bit. <laughs> wow, that, no, that's amazing. And now later, he got a word for you out of nowhere um, about the place that you were praying. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think only your wife knew about it. So there's amazing, he couldn't have well, known it. Well, what's interesting about most of these words is they're words that only my wife or a couple of people could have known anyway. Josiah's mother, Tani, couldn't have known them. So that's why I tell the skeptic. But what's interesting, several of my words, at least five of them, dealt with places I was praying. So when I would move to a different prayer place and cry out to God, I would get a word from Josiah that would identify the place that I was praying at. Mm. For example, you know, one night I was praying in the woods. I had never prayed in the woods before. The first time, because we built a new house, we were in the process of building a new house. And we live on 40 acres. We were living in a little trailer. We had torn down the old house with my office. So I didn't have an office to pray in. So I decided one night, you know what? I'm going in the woods and I'm going to pray. And I spent the night in the woods crying out to God. And it was just, it was just the most amazing time I had with the Lord. Well, we had a little shed, kind of like a deer stand in the back. No electricity. Remember, it's just woods. This is just woods. But we had a swing on that deer stand. And after praying for a couple hours, the presence of God fell on me, and I sat in that swing in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods, and just the presence of God was so tangible. It was like Jesus sat in that swing next to me, and I just basked in his presence as, as wave after wave of, of his warm oil flowed over me. Eventually, it left. I came back, I guess about three in the morning. Went to bed. Well, when I woke up that morning, I got a message from Josiah on my cell phone. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I looked at it, and the message said, Might big nights be turned to your good advantage? You sat in the freedom of Jesus for a very great nighttime in the very nice woods. You built an altar for him there, and Jesus felt a very big hello. I mean, come on. How many times have you sat in the woods in the freedom of Jesus in the middle of the night? Wow. And, and Josiah in Minnesota identified that. And that let me know it wasn't an emotional experience. See, our brain would go, oh, that was just an emotional experience. No, Josiah's word confirmed to me that Jesus was actually there. Mm. It was a very real experience. 
And of course, he is inside of us all the time. So we don't have to feel it all the time. But there are times when he manifests in his physical way. And so the word from Josiah confirmed that when I was praying in those woods, that was not just an emotional experience. It was the actual presence of God. And like I would tell an atheist, you know, what do you do with that? Come on. He's in Minnesota. I'm praying in the woods all night and sat in the freedom of Jesus, mm. you know. And that's just one. The book is filled with, you know, 20 of those. Yeah, yeah, so, so, so good. And what, what are some more takeaways that people can take away from these stories? Because these, these stories are really amazing, and I want people to know, like, that some practical things they can take away from it. Well, like, let's just take the prayer thing in the woods, and then after I left the woods, I went to different places, and each time I got a word from Josiah confirming that God saw me praying in those different places. And what's interesting about this is it shows us that God sees us when we pray, whether we feel it or not. And I like to go to the scripture about Nathaniel and Philip. When I, I think it's Philip, I, I'm not sure if it's Philip, but but Nathaniel goes and he sees Jesus, and Jesus says, "Here comes, here comes a guy." in whom there's no guile in his spirit. And Philip says, how do you know me? He goes, I, I know you. I saw you praying under the fig tree. Mm-hmm. And Nathaniel goes, you are the Messiah. Well, you know, for years I would read that and I would think, man, Nathaniel's kind of overreacting here. I mean, Jesus just said he saw him under the fig tree. Why, why such a big deal? Well, when you do research, I found out that Jews would find these private places to pray. A lot of times it was under a fig tree. And most scholars, where they knew nobody else could see them. And most scholars believe that Nathaniel was crying out to God under the fig tree, and he had a God encounter under the fig tree. And Spurgeon, I read what Spurgeon said, and I think it's in the Josiah book. I mean, Spurgeon says that, Nathaniel experienced God under that fig tree. He had an encounter with God under that fig tree. That's why when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, he was so moved and said, you are the Messiah. So my encounters with Josiah are kind of like that. It's like God was using this nine-and-a-half-year-old, nonverbal autistic boy in Minnesota as a vessel to show me I see you when you're praying, Max. I see you. I'm there. You know, I know all about you crying out to me. And the thing is, it's the same for for other people, too. Anytime, you know, we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the wall. They're not. (laughs) So anyway, that's kind of one of the takeaways from, um, uh, you know, is, is that God does see us. And he sees us when our circumstances scream just the opposite. Mm -hmm. And because so many people live in, we just, we don't feel it. But that doesn't mean he's not there. And if he sees us, he knows us, and he hears us, and he empathizes with us. When I don't see him moving, he's moving. What is it? What's that song, that worship song? Waymaker. 
Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. That's right, and that is true. Now, for some reason, God gave me these messages, and I believe he did so I could share with other people as a writer and a journalist. Because I don't feel it most of the time. Most of the time, I don't feel it. But I know he sees me, and I know he's there because his promises and his words say it, but also because of these encounters. So I have a lot more, but I want to— I don't want to overwhelm you. <laughs> no, that's good. But um, there's another thing you touched on about how our prayers don't just bounce off the walls. Uh, teach on that a little bit. Yeah, but they're not. I mean, he is seeing, he is hearing, and that means he's moving on our behalf. And and this isn't a turn. We are living, you know, heaven is our home. Our citizenship is in heaven, Paul said. So, so there's a lot bigger things going on a lot of times. Silence of God does not mean a lack of the presence of God. Mm. And a lot of people associate silence of God with him not being present and involved in our life. But it's just the opposite. He is there and he is working. And and our timetable is not God's timetable. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, that's that's so good. A year or two went by, and you didn't hear from Josiah for a while. And uh, and then um, tell us about that time Josiah gave you the word about staying in your lane. Well, that, that's that's really powerful. So I, I got like you said, I got over 20 words over from 2015 to 20. 18. So now we're in August of 2018. I had not heard from Josiah for, I think, about a year at the time. Um, and I have to tell you the, kind of the, the background of this story. But I tend to—I write books for other people. I write my own books. I tend to get a ton of projects on my plate. A lot of times I'm way overextended. I have a problem saying no to people. So on Friday, this is on Friday. I got the word on Saturday morning. But on Friday, I went to have lunch with my friend, uh, Chris, who's, who moves into prophetic. And he's one of one of my men that speaks into my life. And I was telling him about my issue. And he looked up to me and he said, Max, and this is all in my journal, by the way, written down. He said, God has given us specific lanes to run in, to move in. And if it doesn't fit in that lane, you have no business taking on the project. And so that's what he tells me on Friday. I write it in my journal. On Saturday morning, my wife, Alana, and I are in my office, and we're discussing this project that I'm on that is literally out of my lane. It is driving me nuts. It's stressing me out. Because if you're doing a project that's in your lane, it doesn't matter how much time or effort you're going to flow in the spirit. But when you're outside of your lane and you're trying to do something, it's just it's grinding and it's stressful. So I'm in my office with my wife, and I'm discussing with her this project. And she looked at me and she says, Max, 
stay in your lane. Even if we have to send the money back, stay in your lane. And, oh, by the way, my wife made little cards, index cards, that she puts on my desk. Two of them says, stay in your lane. Another one says, do what you're gifted to do. And it's on my desk. So you got that? Friday, I talked to Chris. He says, stay in your lane. Saturday morning, Atlanta goes, even if we have to send the money back, you have to stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. Jackson, as she was saying those words, my cell phone, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) I picked it up. I go, oh, my gosh, Atlanta. It's a message from Josiah. (laughs) I hadn't heard from him for a year. This is what he says. Matt, nothing is more important this hour, this moment, this day in life than moving in the pictured lanes lit up only for you. Mm. Boldly might you give it old holy longing to stay in the lanes directly given to you, love, Papa. And then listen to this. God notes your many pools. Look on your gifting. Look on your gifting, knowing that more is not more. Look out to limit life's maps to the holy points of lighting up the gifts in you. He is telling me more is not more. Right. And, and the thing is, I was writing four books at one time. <laughs> he didn't know any of this. And he says, you limit, you stay in your lanes that are lit up for you. Mm. And you, you limit yourself to your gifting. And, I mean, again, how do you explain it? And the timing of it. <laughs> We're talking about it in my office, and I get that text. That's the sovereign message of God. And I do have a scripture to go because we did a book called, we're doing a CD CD set called Jesus, Josiah, and You. You know, there's a scripture, some scriptures that really show you how you can stay in your lane Mm. and do what you're gifted to. If you want me, I'll read that scripture. Sure, yes. Okay, so this scripture, and you've read it many, many times. But this is just one of them. It says, it's Romans 12, starting with verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God has a perfect will for us. Mm. And it's not always good stuff. See, there's good things, and then there's God things. And a lot of times, we move forward with the good things, but they're not God things. Mm. We we can easily distinguish between good and bad. I mean, from God and bad, but, but it's hard for us to distinguish between good and God. Mm. And so when we renew our mind in prayer and in fellowship with God, He transforms us, and we can know his will, his perfect will. But listen to what it says. For the grace given me, 
I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not have all the same function. So what he's saying is, which is interesting, is we all have faith and giftings for our specific assignment right. and our specific length. And and so we can't brag, we can't think we're all that, because everybody has their own lane. But when we get in our lane, we have faith for that length. It's just amazing. I have faith for writing books, but I don't have faith for some other things because it's a supernatural gift that God has given me. That's so good. Such good teaching. And um, tell us a little bit more. I know you just told us a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about uh, that three CD set that you're putting together for us. We have Jesus, Josiah, and me. And um, how my supernatural encounter with an autistic boy revealed the wonder of God's presence. So, so you have to read that book for the CDs to make sense. But Jesus, Josiah, and you is how you can take the encounter that, that God gave me and apply it to yourself. And, and, for example, it shows how you can personally live in the awareness of the presence of God. Even when your circumstances scream just the opposite, because he is present, though we don't feel it. And you can learn to hear his voice and discern his will for you and your giftings and your lane, because God is speaking to you and he's giving gifts to you. And the Holy Spirit wants to guide you to the best, to your best life of impact. And that's what you want. And, and that's what Jesus, Josiah, and you will do. It will take my experience and use it to I'll lead you to your own experience with God. And I tell people, the truth of God frees us, experiences encourage us. Mm -hmm. So this is all biblically based. It's not, you know, the Bible is the plumb line of everything. Yes, that's so good. Um, now, you you got to meet Josiah in person twice, and it really put things in perspective of how just how amazing it oh, was that God. he got you uh, 20 pages worth of words. So tell us a little bit about um, the time you got to meet Josiah. So this is probably the most profound and the most popular book uh, chapter in the book. So after basically after two years of words and my life being completely it changed my life it just it just totally changed my life I, I will never be the same and I'm thinking since I got this profound impact in my life I, I have to meet this guy you know <laughs> I have to meet him so we scheduled a time for me to fly up to Minnesota to meet Josiah and you would have thought I was going to see the president of the United States <laughs> or Sid Roth or somebody I mean, I was like so nervous. I was going to meet a, a nine and a half year old autistic boy. It was just, it's like the Apostle Paul or somebody. It was amazing. So finally, when I get to the house and meet Tani and Joe, his parents, 
Josiah's nowhere to be found. He, he's back in his room, and we wind up ordering pizza, and I spend over an hour with Tani and Joe, and we just really connected. Um, but I would hear Josiah in the back room, oh, 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 make a noise. And, I mean, this goes on for an hour and a half. And I asked Tani, I says, can Josiah come out? She says, yeah, he can come out anytime he wants. So <laughs> he's like, he didn't even come to meet me. I fly all this way. He's giving me all these words. He's stuck in his room. He doesn't even come out to see me. <laughs> well, I have to say this. It really showed how much Tani and Joe loved their son. Mm. They weren't after anything. You know, they weren't trying to get anything from me. They weren't trying to impress me. Right. And I mean, it was all about Josiah. So finally, I'm thinking, did I fly this way and I'm not going to see Josiah? So I asked Tani, I says, you know, can I, can I go see him? She goes, oh, yeah, we can go in there. <laughs> so after an hour and a half, we go into the into his room, and, oh, my gosh, I, I was shocked. I, I, I'll start crying right now. You know, bruises all over his face where he's been hitting himself. He's underneath a blanket. He's like, Aah! he's just struggling. He's, like, hit under this blanket. His eyes are peeking out. You, you can see the picture in the book. You know, we just sat there in his room. I sat in the beanbag chair, and we just talked with Tani and Joe, and Josiah was there. You know, after about 30 minutes, she says, do you, do you want to say something to Max? And he, he he starts typing a sentence to me. And Tani held up the little pad, and he types to me one sentence. And basically he said, able to rope joy, I love you, Max, like that, real simple. It took like five minutes. It was literally a battle. I mean, the boy's still in diapers. And he can't even turn the page on a paper, on a book. And it, it made me see what a struggle and what a battle it was to get these words out. So for him to type, you know, 20 pages, right. this was not a fun thing. I mean, he would wake up in the middle of the night at, at 11 o'clock, and Tony would go up there, and he, like his finger would shake, mm. and he would type, you know, one letter. She'd call it out. His finger would shake. He'd finally have one word, and she'd say, do you want to continue? Mm. And he would go, yeah, and he would. So it what what it did for me was it made me see how what a I mean they lived this twenty four seven. When I got back home, I cried out to God. I said, "Was this really God? God, was this really you speaking through this boy?" And I went through my journalistic training, and my intellect cannot come to any other conclusion except. God spoke through that boy. Even though people are suffering, God is still there, and God can still move in the midst of your situation. So it's possible to experience suffering and God's amazing um, supernatural presence at the same time. 
and that was probably the most profound lesson I learned through this. In fact, I'm about to cry right now. Mm. So I'm sorry, I got a little carried away. No, no, that's good. Now, how has this changed your life? Do you actually hear from God more yourself and encounter him more because of this? Well, and this will be in the CDs, too. Yeah, I do. I'm real leery of hyper-prophecy. Right. But I do believe that God still speaks prophetically in people's lives. And I've, I've, I've experienced the supernatural in my life for years. But I feel like I've gone to another level of expectation. And because I know, I don't, this is really hard to say because it sounds a little arrogant, but it's not. I don't really struggle doubt anymore that God is present. Even if I don't feel him, I know he's here. And I know that from the promise of God, but I also know it from this experience. So I've become more in tune with the Holy Spirit, and I've had more supernatural encounters. In fact, I have a book that's going to follow this up that deals with some of the amazing prophetic things that have happened since Josiah. So, yeah, to answer that question, yeah, my life has gotten more, I guess, prophetic would be the word. I've even had words. I've started having words for people all over the country. (laughs) <laughs> that you cannot deny that are God. That's amazing. Also, I know you've you've touched on this several times, but just speak to that person that just feels like God's not reaching out to them. They just feel like God doesn't care, might not see them. Just to tell them how about how God uh, will use any means necessary to reach out to them. You know, there's several scriptures in the Bible. Number one, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I think it's in Psalms that says, if we seek him with all our heart, we'll find him. And I just, I I encourage people, if, if you block the world out and say, I am going to seek God, and you begin to pour your heart out to him, he will show up. Now, it may, it's, it's probably not going to be like he did with me, but I'm telling you, he will show up. And primarily, he shows up with his peace, his just supernatural peace and calm and rest. And we have to fill ourselves with the promises of God. We have to fill ourselves with the Word of God because that's the foundation. A lot of people don't experience God because they don't know what he says. When you understand what he really says, you know, you don't seek an encounter with God. You seek God. Does that make sense? Yep. And and you seek his word and his truth. Experiences happen out of intimacy. Now, here's a key. And this is this is something that I learned that changed my life particularly since Josiah. Everything that we need is birthed out of intimacy with God, with Jesus. So if we're seeking an experience before we're seeking Jesus, we're going to be misled. If we're seeking a ministry 
before we seek intimacy with Jesus. So as we intercede and spend time with God, seeking His face through His Word and through prayer and through praise, then He will He'll birth through us those assignments and His presence. And if, if He wants us to have an encounter, an encounter. But it all starts with seeking Him. Yeah. We don't seek, do we want more of God or do we want more from God? Mm. When we seek more of God, we automatically get more from God. Amen. Now, um, we're running out of time, but can you just say a quick prayer over our listeners, just anything the Lord is showing you? Yes, I'd love to do that. Father, I just we just look to you, Lord, and we know that you are real, you're alive, and you're fully present, both to us individually and as a nation. And in Israel, you know, you protected Israel supernaturally through these years. You're doing the same thing with us and with our country and individually as we cry out to you and we look to you. And Father, I just pray right now that you just cover the listeners with your peace, with your rest. You know, your word says, let us offer our request unto you, and we will experience with prayer and supplication that intimacy with you. And we will experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. And that is your presence. And Father, I pray right now that every listener will experience your peace that passes all understanding in whatever situation they're in. And that you would move on them, that you would reveal yourself to them, and that you would draw them to yourself. And we just thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Max Davis. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Max Davis received many prophetic words from, get this, a nonverbal, severely autistic boy Josiah Cullen, and in Max's brand new book, Jesus, Josiah, and Me, Max will share those prophetic words with you. Why? Because he's going to show you how they apply to your life. They were revolutionary for him, and they're going to be just as revolutionary for your life. Max believes that you'll encounter the very presence of God in such a tangible way in his brand new and exclusive three-part audio teaching series, Jesus, Josiah, and You. Max will teach you that God is so available and is constantly reaching out to you in ways you've not considered. God wants you to encounter Him every day, all the time, 24-7. In one of the CDs, Max and Josiah's mom, Tani, will talk about how Tani raised Josiah. Remember, this is this nonverbal, severely autistic boy, and if she could raise him to be a mighty warrior for God, what is she going to impart to you for your house? Call now for Max Davis's brand new book, Jesus, Josiah, and Me, and his brand new and exclusive three-part audio teaching series, Jesus, Josiah, and You, 
for an investment of only 35 U.S. dollars. Again, that's Max Davis's brand new book, Jesus, Josiah, and Me, and brand new exclusive three-part audio teaching series, Jesus, Josiah, and You, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9763. Once again, that's offer number 9763. 